If you're like me, you know someone who got sick over the holidays, or maybe you got sick yourself a couple days ago. I was talking to a friend who lives in Brantford. She mentioned she was sick, could not find any cold medication anywhere. So I ventured out to see if I could get some here for her in London for Brantford. Uh, the store uh, shelves were pretty bare. I was able to get uh, something. There was a box of Tylenol. There were two boxes left. I got one. And so uh, that's sort of the, the state of things right now. This is not new. This has been the case for a while. We've had shortages of adult cold medicine, kids' cold medicine, depending on where you go right now. Maybe there's uh, some uh, pharmacies that might be low on both. I want to talk about that and more. And to do that, we're joined by uh, Justin Bates, CEO of the Ontario Pharmacists Association. I appreciate your time today. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. What's in uh, shorter supply right now, kids' medicine or adults'? Yeah, we're still seeing shortages uh, of the children's Advil and Tylenol, which helps uh, manage pain and fever relief, which is different than the formulation for adult cold and flu. Um, That said, you know, manufacturers are continuing to work uh, in a pace they've never had before with about 35% more production than compared to previous years. But the demand continues to outpace the uh, the amount of supply we have in the in the country, and that presents a lot of challenges for people in the middle of a cold and flu season as we're experiencing right now. What sort of challenges is that provided for pharmacists? I mean, you're kind of stuck in the middle here. Absolutely. Pharmacists have spent uh, upwards of 30% of their time, uh, which is almost unimaginable when you think about all the other tasks that they undertake, uh, managing drug shortages. Everything from over-the-counter medications, uh, in this instance, uh, cold and flu and pain and uh, fever relief, uh, but also prescription-based. We've seen uh, over 800 uh, shortages uh, reported by Health Canada over the last year, many of those essential. Amoxicillin as an antibiotic is yet another example where we have a lot of limited, uh, well, we have very limited um, suppliers in Canada. So our domestic uh, capacity is, is very much restricted. So what happens in those scenarios is when you have these fluctuations in demand, um, they can't just ramp up production. We have to look at other solutions, including importing drugs from uh, other jurisdictions. What does this uh, tell us about the system we have in place? Like this issue has been around for months. Do we need to be looking at the Canadian system here? Or is this uh, just a weird circumstance sort of born out of the pandemic? It's a bit of both. I would say we have that triple threat. Um, We had a much earlier cold season than we would typically see in the late summer, early fall. Um, And now we're in the thick of both the influenza, cold and flu. Uh, COVID outbreak uh, is still there and then people use some of these medications to manage those symptoms as well as RSVs. Um, So if you add all of that um, and, and add on top of it, the backlog of surgeries that we're starting to work through, you have a perfect storm, but it does underscore the vulnerabilities in our supply chain. When you think about uh, where we are as a country and as the gold standard of our healthcare system, you know, we're failing. We're failing Canadians um, who, you know, have to worry about uh, whether the medicines they need when they need it will be there. And I think we do need to look at stockpiles federally um, so that in these situations, the federal government will have supply on hand to distribute to the provinces. We need to look at what kinds of incentives are going to be available for manufacturers to set up their production facilities in Canada so that we can produce more product here and be less dependent on international jurisdictions for sourcing of the active product ingredients. 
and also the um, you know the the whole production facility because right now we rely a lot on these manufacturers outsourcing to places like India and China for a lot of the prescription medications. Is there anything in the short term we could do to to make things a little bit easier, or is it just kind of more of a long term play? I think this is going to be a challenging time all the way through the winter. I know that's not necessarily what people want to hear, but uh, I do think we're going to be in this constant cycle of uh, demand. Uh, outpacing supply. One of the things that we're encouraging pharmacists to do is once it's replenished and it isn't consistent, as you've mentioned, going to different pharmacies, you can find some supply, but it's like a scavenger hunt these days, which is certainly not uh, ideal for um, Canadians or Ontarians. But, you know, putting these products rather than over the counter in the uh, pharmacy, putting them behind the counter and limiting it uh, by you know, one package, one bottle per customer will help ration it because we have seen uh, an increase in shoplifting. Uh, we've also seen uh, an increase in panic buying, um, which is exasperating the supply challenges. Uh, we saw that you know, with toilet paper and other products during the, the pandemic when you start identifying these challenges, people uh, stockpile themselves, which is understandable. It's a, it's a human emotional reaction. So we need to put in measures to um, avoid that. And then, of course, there's home remedies that we need to continue to look at, um, compounding solutions that many pharmacists can uh, create formulations for patients. So there are some alternatives, but they are short term. Uh, pharmacists in Ontario now have prescribing powers for certain ailments. Uh, how It's early going, but how is that uh, going so far? Tremendously well. We have a majority of the pharmacies uh, providing the service for their patients. Um, certainly is early days, but uh, I think what we've seen is uh, patients' willingness to uh, access these services through their local pharmacists, um, who they've trusted for a number of other health services. Um, there's 13 that uh, are available, and uh, I would say that uh, we're, we're encouraged by what we've seen in the first couple of weeks to help create capacity in the system address some of the backlog, uh, both in primary care and in uh, emergency departments at hospitals, and ultimately to give patients more options for uh, getting quicker uh, and more timely treatment. It's early days, obviously, but if this does go well, is it something you'd like to potentially see expanded in the future? Yes, we would. Uh, we would like to harmonize with where the other provinces are. Ontario, while this is welcome, is one of the last provinces to jump on board by authorizing pharmacists to prescribe these medications. In provinces like Alberta, they have the authority to do almost all medications that are not controlled substances. Um, so that would be your high watermark. But even in places like PEI, there's 35 conditions considered to be common or minor that pharmacists are enabled to assess and treat. Um, so that's you know where we're going, but I, I think there's certainly uh, an opportunity to build on this. We have Paxlovid prescribing, which is an antiviral treatment for COVID symptoms, uh, as well as smoking cessation products. So there, there is uh, hope there. And I think as we demonstrate the success and, and the public, uh, you know, talks about the, the value that this has in terms of uh, community-based healthcare services, then we'll, we'll be working with our, our partners in, in both primary care and uh, public health to expand the list. We will follow with interest. Uh, certainly appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. Good morning and thank you. That's uh, Justin Bates, uh, CEO of the Ontario Pharmacists Association.